Before I could speak, my daughter had already walked past the lines of lovely trees and was standing in front of the castaway. Think she might have even looked at it sideways as it shamefully looked back. This one. I want this one. What do you think, Salem? Yep, that's the one. Oh, the horror. I immediately moved to damage control, trying to convince my daughter of the worthiness of the other suitors. How could I spend my entire Christmas looking at a crooked tree? Are you sure? I asked her. Yes, Daddy. What about that one? But she shook her head. She was already in love. Already attached. Before it had proven its worth or shown its creed, my kids were already attached to that crooked Christmas tree. Before they checked its record or its life trajectory, they were already in love. That is who they are. The new toy with the vaulted pedigree and high price will never replace that old and broken relic. The brand new blanket with their names embroidered and initials embossed will sit unwrapped, new smell intact, while the one with stitched up holes and dark patches with mold is the one sought on nights when they are cold. For they're in love. They are attached. But this must be different. To grow attached while a blanket molds in hand is one thing, but to buy a moldy blanket is clearly another. Why purchase something knowing its defects and shortcomings? Why look for the least beautiful, the least admirable, the least attractive? I presented my final arguments like a savvy lawyer before the court. This tree was guilty of the high treason of crookedness and deserved a life sentence on a shelf without the possibility of purchase. But the jury would not be convinced. Plus, my wife was giving me that stare. It was supposed to be the kid's choice. But wasn't I supposed to guide them around choices detrimental to their health and mine? She's still staring. Fine. We'll pay for this crooked tree and take this crooked tree home, and this crooked tree will ruin Christmas. Why this tree? I could not force my face to smile or will my heart to be happy. Yes, I had conceded. Standing in line, card drawn, now swiped. It was final. The tree was theirs, mine. But my concession did nothing to squelch my mind's screaming question. I tried to be okay with it, but every time I glanced in its direction, that question why this tree boiled over like milk on the stove. Only this realization stopped me from throwing myself on the floor in that store, banging my head on the linoleum while screaming, Why this tree? I remembered lying on my back on a dark, cloudless night and looking out into the vastness of space. Everything that my eyes could see was only the universe's first page. Its final chapter, 15.5 billion light-years from Earth, was beyond far away. 
Within that known expanse were billions of galaxies, many infinitely more impressive than our Milky Way. Within the Milky Way were billions of stars, painted against the black of outer space, many of them infinitely more brilliant than our sun. And even among the planets of our solar system, our planet pales in comparison to the massive gas giants like Jupiter. Compared to Earth, Jupiter is massive. Compared to Jupiter, the sun is a monster. Compared to Arcturus, one of the closest stars, our sun is a dot. I lay there lost in the fact that the Earth was essentially invisible. Why would God choose to expend his greatest collateral on something so insignificant? You would think that there were beings more worthy than us. What about the angels? Why not save them? After